0: You've decided who lives where, and maybe you're even working on a settlement agreement. But when it comes to dividing up your finances, how are you best to go about it? What bills and paperwork do you need to have access to?
1: You're listening to Divorce Story, the podcast that will help you get back on your feet after a relationship separation. I'm Annalise Dent.
0: And I'm Cass Thorburn. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about money, how to divide it, how to save it and how to manage it.
1: Yes, because as we all know, when you share your life with someone, you share pretty much everything. So the first thing you need to do is just gather up all the documents, whatever you can get your hands on, and start sorting them out. And this will help you down the track when it comes to dealing with your divorce. The other thing as well, Cass, I remember from an earlier episode when we heard from, I think it was uh, Ruth from Legal Aid Early Intervention, she said to make sure that you put a sum of money aside in your own bank account because that's something that is really important, I think, that you've got your own dosh there ready to go.
0: Yeah, and the bills. And we've talked to people as well about, you know, if the bill's not in your name, there's, you know, electricity bills or gas bills. You need to really start thinking about how, if you're in the family home still, the former family home, how you're going to manage those bills, you know, in, in between
1: the time of actually having a settlement. And you've also got to consider financial stock takes and budgets. So that's a lot. Um, that's not our forte. And so luckily we've found someone who can give us that brilliant advice. So to walk us through how to do all this,
0: we're joined by finance expert, accountant, advisor, author, and she's been through a divorce, Melissa Brown. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Let's talk about money. When it comes to that, what's the first thing people need to do when they separate?
2: Well, I think the first thing you need to do is protect your cash. And I think with the emotion, when you're separating, often money is one of the last things you think about when the truth is it needs to be one of the first, because when you are going it alone, and particularly if you have children, you need to make sure that you're prepared to set yourself up safely in your next stage. So everything from closing down shared accounts to understanding what income you've got coming in and expenses going out, tackling joint debt. It's really important that you understand that that financial separation is just as important as the physical separation. Do you think it's a mistake
0: that's often made or not a mistake, but maybe something that's overlooked in all the other, you know, grief process that's occurring?
2: Oh, absolutely. And You know, money is not, it's not something we're comfortable talking about anyway. It's often not the first thing we think about. And particularly if you're not used to handling the finances in a relationship, it might not be what you instantly go to. So yeah, it's so common for money to be kind of an afterthought in amongst all the grief and the emotionalness of the split. So where would you start, Melissa? What would you start with? I want transparency over what I what we have coming in what we have going out what are our assets and what are our liabilities so it's it's, it's the official term is kind of doing a bit of a financial stock take because what you want to understand is if I was to if we were to split tomorrow what am I liable for that maybe I didn't realize I was going to be liable for um, but just as importantly, what expenses do I need to maintain and what income do I have coming in to maintain those expenses? So doing a bit of a stock taker and audit, if you like. And if your partner's not willing to do that, which absolutely I have seen happen, it's about getting your hands on as much paperwork, contacting the bank um, and starting to find that out for yourself. Is it crucial to have, you know, home bills Absolutely. Because you want to understand whose name is that in, who is going to be staying in the home and who's going to be leaving. But you may be surprised to know that your name is on some of those bills. And if you decided, you know what, I'm just going to walk away. And if they've chosen not to pay those bills, you may be liable and your personal credit may be affected. Now you touched on it a little bit before, but for those that
0: don't handle the finances, what is the first thing that they probably need
2: to do? So I would close down shared accounts. I would be absolutely understanding my income and expenses. I'd be trying to understand what the joint debt was. So those three things as a minimum would be vital and I would be speaking to a family lawyer.
1: Melissa, can you walk us through a financial stock take and how to do one?
2: So this is simply a bit of an audit, a collection of information. So you want to go and talking to your bank a great place to start Um, So you want to want transparency around both what you have, so those assets that you own. Um, You want transparency around what debts you have and you also want transparency around income coming in and expenses going out because you may be under the impression that you own your own home and it may be really surprising for you to understand that actually there's a second mortgage on it Um, and it was in both of your names and you had no idea it was there. So sometimes doing that financial stock take can be gut wrenching, but if you don't face what your financial position is from the get go, it's only going to get harder later on when, you, when you're trying to face it. Um, and where the split is amicable, this is, you know, doing this as early as possible, particularly if it's fairly amicable in the early days, is the ideal time to sit down and say, right let's lay it all out on the table. What do we have? What do we own? What money's coming in? What money's coming out? Who's going to be responsible for what? So that you have a bit of a financial plan.
0: Leading up to the divorce, um, if it's something that, as you say, is amicable or something that you're actually, you know, you've tried uh, marriage counselling, you're going down the road of it's not going to work out. Should you be budgeting at that point?
2: Oh, I hate the word budget. <laughs> it just, for me, it's, it's, it's restrictive and it sounds like diets. And I think that um, particularly as women, we just don't respond well to that. Um, so if you hate the term budget as well, maybe kind of discard that concept. But yes, you want to have um, insight as to how much does it cost me to live? What are my absolute essential bills? So What's my rent or what does my mortgage cost me? What is my electricity? What's my phone? Uh, What loans do we have? So if I understand that and if I can start to make a plan for will my income cover that and can I start to be putting aside a buffer in my own bank account for that, um, how much would a rental bond cost? So starting to set up your financial situation so that you might have those sort of expenses being covered for yourself is really important.
0: So let's use the term
2: financial plan then.
0: Is there a a step-by-step guide to sort of what is the easiest way to start a financial plan?
2: Yeah, so I'm a real fan of figuring out your needs and figuring out your wants. So it would be, what are my bills? What are the things that I, I need to pay in order to have the lights on? So it would be rent or mortgage, uh, electricity and gas, um, internet and phone. It might be school fees I would put separately, so I'd almost have three buckets. Um, so these are my absolute essentials. And I would actually set up a bank account and I'd, I'd be making sure that they came out of there. Then it would be my second lot. How much is school fees? So these are our second tier worth of um, worth of needs or wants. Um, but, but things that we have choice over. We might not like to move our kids from the private school that they're in, but it's a choice that we can make. So how much does that cost? And then all the extra is like, um, hair appointments and gym and streaming services, I don't bother figuring out how much that costs because that's all optional. They're all things that we can choose whether we do them or not. Um, but understanding how much those basic essentials are and then understanding how much that second tier of essentials like school fees, etc., and then I would set bank accounts up for those. So it might be a school fees bank account, it might be a bills bank account and an everyday spending account and a savings account and then you automate your income to those accounts and by doing that you eliminate the need for a budget.
0: What about uh, spousal support? So if you're a stay-at-home dad or stay-at-home mum and then divorce happens, how, how does that fit in here?
2: Yes, yeah, so that's something where I'm a real fan of, even if you're thinking about separating, going and having a chat to a family lawyer because they'll be able to tell you what your entitlements might be. And then you can then make a plan based on that for, okay, well, if I receive, if I know I'm potentially going to receive X amount, then I can make a plan, a financial plan based on that. What I would say though, is I'm a real fan of having a plan B and a plan C Um, and if for any reason your spouse doesn't come to the party or decides to fight you for that spousal support it's having that backup plan For okay so if that doesn't kick in for a couple of months or if that's only half how could I make sure that I and my family are still okay Um, could I move in with um, to a granny flat, could I speak to our financial counsellor and find out about rental assistance? It's finding out what um, what all the extra layers are that I'm potentially entitled to.
0: So there is help out there, as you mentioned, um, You know some of those things that you could do. What else is out there that you think is worth uh, mentioning?
2: Financial counsellors are great. So if you're in any sort of debt or if you're concerned about, you know what, I just don't know how to do money, These are support either through community centres, health centres and even some government centres. So if you go to Centrelink because you're potentially going to get some sort of single parent support, they'll actually potentially put you in touch with a financial counsellor. But the Money Smart website has really great apps and calculators on there as well. That's a government website. But So there is a lot of free support and resources out there that are available for you to start looking into and receiving actual physical help.
1: Melissa, how can people get
2: better at money? I think you have to realise that this is something that we can't escape. This is something that we can no longer abdicate and kind of just hope that it will work out in the same way that you might have an interest in. For me, it's fashion and shoes. For someone else, it might be sport or for someone else, it might be literature and going to the theatre. Having the same interest and passion about getting better at your finances that you do with other hobbies. So that means educating yourself, Um, reading books, just talking about it, deciding um, among your close group of friends, hey, why don't we talk about money? I'm in a situation where I really need help and I need to talk about this. Can we just have this one of the many things we talk about? Um, Watching podcasts watching our tutorials, there are so many free resources available. This does not need to cost. Um, But I think we just need to, we just need to add it to our, like almost for it to be one of the new things that we just start to be interested in. And certainly um with the world as it is today, I'm seeing so many people with the pandemic situation that we're in, so many people realizing that gee, I really wished that i would taken a bit more interest in my, in my personal finances. So it's just spreading our interests out.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting times and going to be very stressful for, for, for a lot of people, for a lot of our country. Finances are stressful and I like the term that you use, don't have your head in the sand.
2: Absolutely, and you know finances are stressful. They're icky. They're awkward. Um, certainly as women, we're taught that nice girls don't talk about money, and they certainly don't say they want more of it. Um, a couple of years ago, a newsreader uh, said that conversations about cash is crass. You know, we're still hearing these messages that we just aren't supposed to talk about money. It's unladylike, and I just think we need to get over that, and we need to realise that you know what. It's it's simply another thing that we are able to talk about. And my opinion on money is if we get better at it, particularly if women get better at it, and if women own and control more of the purse strings, I actually think we'll see a kinder and better society. So I think it's in our best interest to get better at money.
0: Great words, Melissa. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Each episode of Divorce Story we end with hearing somebody's divorce story and Melissa is not only a financial expert but she's also been divorced so she is sticking around to share her divorce story with us. And just a note, we recorded this interview in our own personal studios because of COVID-19 and that's why things
2: sound a little bit different.
1: Melissa, how did your first marriage end?
2: So I, uh, I got married at 20, which I still can't quite believe that I did. And I married my first husband because he was interested in me. I had incredibly low self-esteem from some things that had happened to me earlier in my life, and I think at the time I was grateful. And 12 months into the marriage, I realised it was a complete mistake I was in a very religious household. I came from a very religious family, so I stuck with that marriage for 13 years. <laughs> oh wow! Despite it being incredibly harmful for both my physical and my mental health, but what I did when I divorced, uh, so finally, what what um, gave me the courage to leave was I just I think I hit my 30th birthday and went, "Are you kidding me?" Um, you know, I kind of came to the opinion that either I remember distinctly driving home one day and realising that I was just, I was dreaming of his funeral. Um, And I was thinking to myself, if I'm thinking that death is the only way that I'm going to get out of this marriage, this is ridiculous. Um, So I started to do my own planning. I went and saw a counsellor myself um, for a couple of years. And then I Dragged him to a marriage counsellor as well. And we realised together um, through uh, something that he wasn't willing to change that the marriage was over. And then I think I did something then that I just look back now and, and can't believe that I did because what I know is that there's so many people that I've worked with they react financially, emotionally. So they have this, something happens and they react financially. And he said to me, as we were splitting up, I had a very small business at the time. And he said, you'll never make it on your own. And he's, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's your typical good bloke, except when he drank. And when he said that, I just, I just went fine I'll screw you I'll show you I took the entire divorce settlement and all the cash that I had in the bank and I gave it to Opportunity International and I set up a trust bank Um, because I never wanted it said that any money that we had together um, contributed to anything that I did from that point in time and of course a week later I was sleeping on a friend's couch and trying to figure out where I was going to live. I had no rental bond because I'd given it to Opportunity International. Because I'd cleared out all the money in the business accounts, um, I had no super for my staff, had no money for wages. Um, I was so far behind the eight ball by doing that. So, stupidest financial decision that I ever could have made. And so it probably took me two years to claw myself out of that because I, uh, even me, you know, I'm an accountant, I should know what, I, what you should be doing. Um, I should unemotionally and unbiasedly react. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I did the absolute worst
0: thing financially. How was everything sort of divided up?
2: Um, So we didn't have kids, so we just split it half and half. He said to me at the time, um, so what about your business? But I kind of said, well, I could walk away from my business tomorrow and there is no business, so, you know, please leave that alone. So we split everything half and half. So I'm very grateful that there was no kids involved. So the biggest money mistake you made was giving it away? Absolutely. So I reacted emotionally to something he said And I gave my entire, um, all the proceeds from that that marriage away. And that's my caution. I think too many people react emotionally to something. Um, And I wish at that time, so I, I told no one anything during that time. I was so deeply ashamed. And I wished I had someone I was talking to and running decisions by, because I know that if I'd said to them, this is what I'm planning to do, they would have said, don't be so stupid you need to look after yourself and think of this and think of that. Um, so I think to have that person as you're going through this that you can run things past, um, particularly financial decisions, are so important because it probably took me three years to dig myself out of that. Um, and, it, I mean, you can't ring a charity and say, by the way, can I have my money back? <laughs> um, but it definitely, it was ex- just It just made my life so incredibly hard. Um, as in I moved into a frat house with eight friends, you know, it really, it was quite interesting times there for a few years. If you knew then what you know now,
0: what would you do differently?
2: Oh, great question. So I would have left him a lot earlier, um, a lot earlier, because uh, what I do know is that people didn't understand my decision. I uh, All the friends that I thought I would lo- lose, I lost um all the uh, the financial hit that I thought I it happened harder than I expected but it also I was stronger as a result from leaving I picked up new friends um, I received a different support network I found um, a grit and a termination that I didn't realize that I had. Um, yes my family didn't speak to me for six months but my new normal with them is well this is just who we are and if you. Uh, if you love me, then eventually you you'll sort yourselves out. It's your decision, not mine. So I wished I had done everything earlier, and I absolutely wished that I had enlisted a support person where I ran decisions by them, because I made too many emotional decisions and not enough rational decisions. Which is so. What was going to? That's just so how we behave when we're being driven by emotions. But I wished. I had run. I wished I'd not been as ashamed and been willing to accept um, to ask for help.
0: Melissa, thank you so much
2: for your
1: advice today. And thank you
0: so much for sharing your story.
2: You're welcome.
1: Thanks for listening to Divorce Story this week. If
0: you want to hear more from us, follow us on socials at Cass Thorburn and at Annalise Dent.
1: Divorce Story is produced by me, Annalise Dent. And me, Cass Thorburn. The executive producer is Eliza Ratliff. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star rating and a review. Thanks for listening.